Before we start, I want to explain what this series of episodes, called The Wilderness Years, is about and why I'm calling it that. I know I explain it at some point in the recordings, but due to the nature of when they're recorded, I don't remember what episode it's going to pop up in, so might as well do it now. Wilderness Years is a term taken from Doctor Who fandom, referring to the period from 1989, when the original TV series ended, to 2005, when the new TV series started. While there was new material in the form of comics, novels, audio dramas, and one TV movie, the main source of new Doctor Who material, the TV show, was no more. I am using that term to refer to this period of time between Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 2 and when Jim Starlin returns to Marvel to bring Adam and Thanos back for Infinity Gauntlet. Wait, is that a spoiler? Nah, I don't think so. These Wilderness Year's episodes are going to cover that time period. The cameos of Adam and Thanos, stories like this Captain Marvel one which deal with their legacy, and others which will be setting up events that will be used in the stories later, like the Infinity Gems and Nebula. As you can see, the format for these episodes will be a bit different. Instead of one issue an episode, we will be doing three or four each time, with different co-hosts taking on different series. As of this episode, we have three others joining me, and there will be a few more to come. I hope you enjoy this experiment, but if you prefer the old format, don't worry. Once Adam and Thanos are back, we will be returning to the classic format of covering an issue and then doing the Friends and Enemies segment in the second half of the episode. Hello and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and this is the second of our episodes that I've been dubbing the Wilderness Years, where we're covering the, well, Adam and Thanos are dead, but we're covering the stuff that peripherally involves them. And today to help us out for our first two issues, we have from Bitches on Comics, Sarah Sentry and Essie Fleenor. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> So, Never the sense? same again. <laughs> We're great. Those it's answers. nice to be here. Thank you for it's having good. us. It's good to have you guys back. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's so. been a minute. And last time it was just singularly. So now I have both of you together. So it's like I have a whole show here, which is cool. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba. <laughs> We're going to put on a little show, people. Hang on. Yeah, little top hat, little... <laughs> Sand on the ground, a little soft shoe. <laughs> I feel like you it, can tell we've what comics we've been reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just so you know, right now we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel 57 and then 58. And yes, we are still talking about the Marvel Captain Marvel, not Shazam, not Split, not Monica, not Carol, because there are way <laughs> too many Captain Marvels. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of Split before, though, so since you mentioned that, I'm like, I'm going to 
go become Split's biggest fan, I think. <laughs> I need to look at that one of these days. Yeah. It just sounds insane. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of insane, we have an yeah. insane run of Captain Marvel issues coming up. So... Hold on one second, people. I'm going to drop in a quick synopsis for Captain Marvel 57, and then we're going to get right into it. Captain Marvel 57, Starburst. Writer, Roger McKenzie. Artists, Pat Broderick, Breakdowns. Bob Wyacek and Terry Austin, Finished Art. Inkers, Bob Wyacek and Terry Austin. Colors, Don Warfield. Letters, John Costanza. Cover art, Pat Broderick, Bob Wyacek, and Annette Kowiecki. Editor, Jim Shooter. Cover dated July 1978. On sale date April 25th, 1978. With a cover price of 35 cents. You can find this reprinted in Titans number 23, a 1979 French reprint. Marvel Masterworks Captain Marvel Volume 5, a 2014 reprint. And digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Marvel is sick and burning up. Rick Jones brings him to the one medical doctor he knows, Dr. Donald Blake. When Marvell flies off in a panic, Don turns into Thor to follow. When he catches up to Marvell, Thor is shocked when Marvell begs to be killed. After a brief fight in which Thor is able to stun Marvell, he is finally able to get some answers. Even though they defeated Thanos less than a week ago in Avengers Annual 7 and Marvel 2 and 1 Annual Number 2, as we covered in Episodes 117A, 117B, and 118, he had still started to tamper with our sun, causing flares and excess energy. Since Marvell is powered by the sun, his powers are affected. Due to his cosmic awareness, Marvell knows that his powers will overload and eventually cause the destruction of the Earth, if not more. Instead of killing him, Thor throws his hammer to hit both of Marvell's negabands, opening a portal to the negative zone, which absorbs all the excess energy. All right, here we go. Captain Marvel 57. Today dies the sun. Mm-hmm. I love that title. They are not lacking for hyperbole here. Oh, I was just going to say that's actually not the title of the issue, though, because if you if you go past the cover, it's called Star Burst, which I think is great also. But the cover is Marvel Spaceborn Superhero, the new Captain Marvel, and it shows Captain Marvel versus Thor and Thor. There's like a city on fire right behind them. Today dies the sun, and then Thor is, you caused this holocaust, Marvel. You must be destroyed. And Marvel's like, go ahead and try, Thor. That's exactly what I want. What? This is I love how misleading covers are back at this time. Where like, so often, even now, yeah, you're just like, so what is this supposed to tell me? Um, I guess this stuff pops up, but I don't know where. To, uh. well, here's the funny thing. That whole city on fire. Doesn't that happen more in the next issue when he fights Strax? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Actually... That doesn't even come up here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's for like, the record, we got a little that city is Denver. And that is not what Denver has looked like ever, let alone at the time <laughs> of these comics coming out. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it all like, burned you... down. But you also find <laughs> it all this. We just know New Denver. Um, but yeah, it's so funny whenever people from like New York are doing Denver. You know, I, it was like during, oh man, whenever they had all those different Avengers teams and there was like Denver Avengers and you would see people oh, like yeah. swinging from skyscraper to skyscraper. And it's like, we don't, we don't have those here. 
when they were doing the initiative and they had like all the team, they had like a team for every state or something. Yeah, 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 yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, and it was like literally all of the artists were from New York, of course. So, um, yeah. yeah, we didn't, we didn't get a, I'm going to say that Omaha didn't look like Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, yeah, a city, you know, like all cities. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we have one really tall building. It looks like a cash register. It's important. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something more for Batman to run around on top of. Yeah. I'll jump on the button. The drawer will pop out and knock the Joker out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what is this? That's my calling. (laughs) Yeah, you finally found it. Finally, um, yeah. So, what is this comic literally even about? Because <laughs> this is different from the next one, right? Like, we're dealing. The writer is uh, Mackenzie. Is the last name? Who is this? I uh, no Roger idea. Mackenzie. Yeah. He so was, who, I I don't know him too well. The only other thing I know that he's that I can think of, I know he's done, is he was initially the writer on Daredevil when Frank Miller started drawing it. Oh wow! Huh. Before, okay. Miller took over as writer and artist. He was the writer for like the first half of that run with mm. Miller. Oh, then I, I am sure that I have read his writing before. But the next issue is by Moek, right? And then like yes. after that, it's just him for a little while. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, they so, were kind of switching around some creative teams. Right, this was one of those, huh? <laughs> like where yeah. during the 70s they were like, yeah, I mean, do you have time for five issues and then we'll move you on to like Moon Knight or something? Or like, was this before? I have no idea. You know what? I have no idea what the time they timing were still of this was. Working out what to do with Marvel, even now. I, honestly, I mean, I, I like the character. He's not my favorite Captain Marvel, but I do like him. I've done enough stuff with him that I like the character. He's a good guy. But mm-hmm. his title has always been a mess. Yeah, they're always yeah, yeah. restarting. They're always revamping. They're always retrying to figure out. You know, sometimes the direction lasts three issues, sometimes ten, but they always try and refigure out what to do. Honestly, the only time it really wasn't a mess, which is the only ones that most people know about, are the Jim Starlin issues. Right, right, right. Other than that, it's kind of like a, it's there. <laughs> you know, well, he's he, he's there. He's been he's become so much bigger in death than he ever was in life. Sure. Yeah. Poor buddy. Um, <laughs> good old Marvel. But he here he starts in a weird building um, <laughs> with Rick Jones there. Yeah. Apparently he's sick or something. And yeah, they go this, to the. Did you read the comics before this? Because I'm like, this really does just kind of drop you in the middle of it, right? Like it's just like, all right, we're in this warehouse. This was insane enough. I didn't need to go through the ones before it. <laughs> well, like, and sometimes he was, it's more fun not to know. A universe died, maybe? And like, or no, a sun exploded, and then he absorbed the energy. Okay, either I made this up or it's real. Either way, it's a good story. And then good. he, he like, comes back and he's like, I've got too much energy in my yeah. body! And I kind of love that image in my mind. I think that in this <laughs> issue, the most incredible thing is all of the facial expressions Marvel makes. <laughs> yeah. He is just constantly either in anguish, shocked, furious. It's just, it's like, <laughs> what is going on, buddy? Take a chill pill. And he's like, I can't. I'm full he of too can't. much energy. Yeah, it's it's fun because I'm, I'm looking at, because this is early art by Pat Broderick, who, you yeah. know, has done a lot of stuff, you know, later on. 
but this is his like his earliest like work. So it's kind of fun looking at this going, oh, I know this looks like 15 years from now, but. Yeah, totally. It I is like the art, art, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's not no, what I... I would expect always, but it does, uh, it does do the job. And I do like the kind of heavier inks on it. I think that it looks pretty great. Um, Thor comes in. So, like, Marvel just bursts through the wall, which is. Hilarious. Well, of course, Thor comes in because think about it. He's sick, so he went to the doctor. They got a doctor. Blake. Who's the only doctor in the Marvel universe? That's right. <laughs> You're right because it is totally the only doctor in the Marvel universe. He is Donald Blake is just hanging out there, and then he's just like does the like fucha become the Odin son. Um, so he does, <laughs> and then of course him and Marvel like of course when two superheroes see one another in the wild they have to fight each other like there's no yes. other way to start the conversation it's always just go ahead and tap him with your hammer real quick um that's how you say hello <laughs> that's how you say hello punch but the jaw marvell is automatically like screaming his head off just like kill me thunder god and quickly <laughs> and Thor is like, uh no frowns and is like kill thee nay good captain <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, nay. And then <laughs> Marvel punches him, like, right in the face and is like, you must, godling, you must. And it's cut down, which and is so cool. It's the, it's the whole comic is basically them either punching each other out or recapping other old events or I mean, flashbacks. Because <laughs> we have to have a flashback to the whole Thanos saga because that was of the course. big thing of the story, the series. It's like, don't forget, we were the one that did that Thanos stuff five years ago. Remember? Remember that, guys? You know, we, th <laughs> then we have to go to like, oh, Rick got hurt. Hey, remember Rick? He's the one that, you know, almost, you know, caused the Hulk to start. Let's look at that origin again real quick, too. Yeah. They're like, we better recap and recap and recap just because there's not really a ton going on in this issue. Um, but of course, until Rick is... Marvel becomes a giant, quote, swelling my form into a living conflagration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, I, a I'm going to say I don't know what that means in this context. Yeah. I don't know what it means in any context. You know, what? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Rick Jones thinks that <laughs> Thor has killed Marvell and he starts crying and hitting Thor in the chest with both of his fists <laughs> like a little that kid. He's just like, yeah, yeah, you killed him. And he's like, nay. <laughs> like Thor. Thor through this whole issue is like, nay. And then somebody's like, okay, but this. And he's like, nay. <laughs> like He's like nay. the one trying to be in a, somewhat of an adult here. Yeah, everybody else is like just kind of throwing stuff around and yelling, and he's just like, mm. "Nay!" <laughs> I'm trying like, really hard to just back out of this. Might you mortals? Could you please stop it for five seconds? Yeah, because then Marvel goes into like a whole, a whole conversation of like, "This is why you must kill me," and then ends it with, "You must kill me." Like <laughs> Thor is not about it. Thor is just like, um. Nay. <laughs> and then Marvel like, starts Marvel starts pouting and like slamming his fists on the ground. There is no other way. <laughs> Why didn't you stop me while you had the chance? Why? <laughs> why? Uh, he looks I love that panel. The why? Why? That's a that's great. Yeah, I like it too. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> that 
hair, I mean, forget everything else, his hair has increased in body by like 50% there. I mean. Oh, yeah. Not, he's. You can't he punch looks, him in the head anymore. It's a helmet. <laughs> he looks <laughs> like a Brian Braddock with his like super big, long blonde hair. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Uh, apparently, it's all Thanos' fault. Based uh, something, It's just some kind of after effect from after the death of Thanos and Warlock. Which apparently, according to this, was only about a week ago. <laughs> so I looked it up. It actually was six months ago, comic time. I mean, real time. Because that so issue like, came yeah, out yesterday. in September of 78, uh, seven, se- September of 77, and this one came out in April of, 80, of 78. For the listeners so, at home, conflagration means <laughs> giant <laughs> fire. Oh, am I allowed to curse? I'm sorry, Al. I should have yes. asked. Okay. I either... <laughs> <laughs> I either start editing them out or like bleep, put a little bleeping noise or I forget at some point and then they all get left in. One of the <laughs> Perfect. So don't uh, worry so about it. It's just a fancy word for a big old fire that burns up a lot of stuff. And I'm like, okay, fine. That is pretty accurate for what you're describing. Go on. You mean, you mean a new fire as in the literal sun that just gets popped into the negative zone all of a sudden? <laughs> Like, how does that even work? I'm just like, you guys didn't just drop suns into the negative zone? Like, literally, see, this is it. It's where, if there was a negative zone, you know exactly what would happen. People would totally just start putting their trash there. Like, 100%, 100%, it would just be like, okay, I'm just going to start tossing toxic nuclear waste in there. And then it's just like, oh, dang, now there's a new sun. We can just throw things into the sun. <laughs> that explains all the whole annihilation story. So Nihilus is like, all right, that's it. That's enough. Get all your garbage. I'm pissed. Yeah, I'm sick of this. No and then more. It was like annihilation. So what did what did everybody think of this comic? Because I think it's so weird. I read it maybe three times and was just I. It took me a minute to understand what was going on because it's kind of uh, weird. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I still thought it was pretty fun and pretty good. It's definitely has a lot of angst from Captain Marvel, but I guess that that was not atypical for the time and i love thor just being kind of mildly weirded out (laughs) by everything (laughs) yeah no i have to go with that i mean thor is thor's great here because thor like i said thor's the grown-up here like i'm trying like kids please please you're trying my patience would you just shut up for five minutes I'll throw the sun in the negative zone. Relax. That's all we have to do. It's all we have to do yeah i don't have to kill you buddy like what is this like, it, I love insane. the bewildered Thor. He's just like, what the hell? Why Why would I jump to murdering you as my first option? Right. Like, they're, they're oh, look at this. I just fixed it real quick. It's fine. Like, yeah. And apparently they can make portals to the negative zone. I mean, before they just switch places. But now I guess you can make portals there. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not? Comics. Comics. Da-da, Comic da-da, science. Da-da. <laughs> Yeah. I no. really like the art in this. I thought it was actually really fun, and the colors. I mean, this the all of this whole run here, the colors are just fantastic, and I think really, really fun. So I, yeah, I, I you know, I am uh, totally a person who's like, I can roll into a comic and be all about vibes. I'm like, ooh, I like the vibes here. These are good. 
yeah, I, I think that the coloring is interesting. I don't know this colorist. I don't think I've like seen their work really outside I don't of recognize this. So the maybe last name. I have. Yeah, I don't recognize it. Um, but it, the choices are very interesting. It looks like a Captain Marvel comic, right? Like there was a whole time period where the I just remember the covers. I'm pretty sure Marie Severin was doing them for a little while, but it's hard to tell. They don't always credit properly, but there was always these very beautiful, colorful, kind of popping Captain Marvel um, comics. So I think that it's really interesting to look at these colors, especially in the next issue. Like, I think that the choices that this colorist makes are very interesting. And into the next issue, it's Pat Broderick, uh, but the inks are done by Bob McCloud, right? Because that's the kind of the famous artist who created a lot of the new mutants, right? So mm-hmm. this is his inks work. So that kind of, it kind of clarified things for me a little bit because I was like, this does look like his style. And then Broderick, I think does a great job across both of these issues. Yeah. Apparently the name is Don Warfield, but I still have not heard of this person. Yeah. I haven't heard of them. I don't know. Um, but they do great work. So, I mean, that's awesome. I, always love to see interesting color choices right i mean and i guess it's no surprise to anybody uh that this is we have drax in here right so drax and marvel's costumes the way that the coloring is so so bright i appreciate the way that they just choose kind of like a different palette for the backgrounds to make those two characters Mm -hmm. like pops as hard as they do instead of blending in with everything yeah, that so they sense. definitely stand out and look very, very interesting. And just, like, the combinations of the colors, like the red, the blue, the purple, the green, like, all of it looks just great. So some of that was built into the comic, obviously, because of the nature of the costuming. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they could have made a lot of different choices with these colors, and they did really well in choosing what they did. Hey, everybody, I'm Paul Spitaro. I don't know if you know me, but I'm a regular on Back to the Bins, along with my friends, Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Mr. Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Andy's been asking us for a promo for the show for the longest time, and Bill has been writing it for the longest time. Bill, you got that promo written yet? Uh... Okay, so, anyway, what we do is we review three comic books... We try to do it every week. Usually it's a Marvel, a DC, and a Captain Canuck book for Scott. So, tune in every week to Back to the Bins to listen to our show. You can find us at twotruefreaks.com. Captain Marvel 58, a destroyer denied. Writer, Doug Mensch. Artists, Pat Broderick, Breakdowns, and Bob McLeod, Finished Art. Inker, Bob McLeod. Colors, Francoise Mouly. Letters, Denise Wall. Cover art, Joe Rubenstein and Dave Cockrum. Editor, Roger Stern. Cover dated September 1978. On sale date, June 27th, 1978, with a cover price of 35 cents. You can find this reprinted in Titans number 24, a 1980 French reprint. Guardians of the Galaxy Solo Classic Omnibus, a 2015 reprint. Marvel Masterworks, Captain Marvel Volume 6, a 2016 reprint, and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Marvel flies to Observatory near Denver, where he had started to work, to let them know he is leaving. He wants to keep them out of harm's way and also explore Earth more. Out in space, 
Drax the Destroyer finds Thanos' ship, and Thanos is now inert stone body inside. Realizing that someone else besides himself has killed Thanos, the object of his obsession, he vows to make them pay. Meanwhile, Marvell is exploring Denver until Drax shows up. Drax had figured that the only one he knew of who could have killed Thanos was Marvell, though he is wrong, and has tracked him down. He attacks the city until Marvell reveals himself, and they fight. Marvell tries to explain that he didn't kill Thanos, but Drax doesn't believe him. They keep on fighting, causing damage as they go until interrupted by Isaac, the worldwide computer network which governs and controls Titan, in his hologram form. He informs them that Titan is under attack by Thanos' followers and asks for help. They agree to help, though Drax says that when he is done with Thanos' minions, he still plans to take out Marvell. On Titan, we see that Isaac is now one of Thanos' followers, and he is holding all of the Titans, including Mentor and Eros, captive. 58 continues to be Marvel's space-born superhero, the new Captain Marvel. Who is, yep, yep. What do they mean by this, the new? I Once again, I don't really know about this, I guess. I, um, basically, he's been the new since Jim Starlin took over, and they're just kind of riding on that. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're like, like no, just, for sure. It's still Milk new. it for what it's worth. Still new. Still new. Exactly. I love if it helps that, <laughs> I love that this issue opens with, like... Uh, Miss Carr being like, hey, I have a job for you. And then he says, and I thank you, Miss Carr, for giving me a job when I thought I needed it. But, well, goodbye. And then he just flies <laughs> off into the sky. Just like, yeah. <laughs> And I'm out. And she's like, there he goes. I wonder if we'll ever meet again. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny to me, too, because I've read other Marvel books and he kind of just flies around and women like stare after him with like hard eyes. And I'm just like, OK, <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's he does just kind of awkwardly wander off in people's middle sentences. Right. So like he's not. I don't feel like a very charming character. <laughs> he kind of just walks off. And then it's always just women being like, what a mystery. Will we ever meet again? Yeah, I'm seeing a couple. I was looking back real quick. And Scott Edelman was looks like the writer for mostly the last couple issues. So I think that was probably something they brought in. of like, let's give him a job. And then, you know, the new writers in, it's like, nah, let's not. Right, because this is Moick, right? Like, is yeah. that how you say his name? Doug Moick? Um, Moink? I, I've heard different things from Moent or Moench and even Doug Munch. <laughs> Munch is like, what I've heard, yeah. So Doug I'm Munch? not sure which it is. I went and checked with Ray from the Moon Knight podcast, Into the Night, and he said, according to the man himself, it is pronounced Mench, like wrench. So please just ignore any time that we happen to say the name wrong after this. Thank you. Okay. Um. Well, we'll just go, I guess, with Doug Munch. Uh, he, he's the creator, obviously, of Moon Knight. He did a long run on Batman, which some of which was with Kelly Jones. That's like my Batman era. So this guy is a lot of fun. A lot of times, S.E., you know this writer because we just got finished covering the issue of Batman and Superman. Was it the world's finest issue with John? Um, oh my God, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's basically the boyfriend's issue. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John they just, pitched like, it to hands us. just like hold hands and feel sad. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's some highly sexual looking aliens. <laughs> Is this like the world's finest, like from back in the 70s and 80s? We talked yeah, about like yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wilson definitely. dug it up from uh, Make Ours Marvel, dug up this issue uh, and was just like, I want to talk to you about this because it is the gayest Superman story. And we were like, really? Because I mean, sometimes and then like you read it and you're just like, nope, it is for sure. This is yeah. actually the gayest of them. They are yeah. contextually dating in that episode. In that for issue. sure. <laughs> so oh, for sure. Probably, Doug Munch is, is also context. known. Doug Munch is also known. That's right. I thought I, I thought I recognized it. He was the longtime writer for Master of Kung Fu. Uh, right. Shang Chi. Totally. So for the most part, most of his run, he was the writer. Yep. So definitely knew I recognized that from that. Yeah, and I've seen him write quite a few books, and I'm like, I mean, he did a pretty terrible run on Catwoman, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of writers did pretty terrible runs on Catwoman, so I guess I can't hold it specifically. Just kind of joining in the group. It's like, oh, this yes. is what we do. Okay, that's fine. I, I can do that. I, too, will write really bad Catwoman stories, and I'm, like, you know, 13 reading it, being like, this is bad, but I don't know. I, I have to read Catwoman, so... This is what I got. <laughs> this is all I have to work with right now. Anyway, well, this is different. You grew up the same time I did. It's like, watch, it's like the Generation X TV movie. It's like, oh, this yeah. is bad, but this is all we got. This so is I guess what we'll we have it. right now. This is and what honestly, we that, uh, that White Queen still kind of holds up, so... <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, I, I taped and watched it a few times myself, but you know, it's, it's pickings were slim back then. Pickings were they slim. Sure were. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So fifty-eight, a destroyer denied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's where we see Drax, and Drax? I love Drax. What's everybody else's feelings on Drax? I like Drax. Drax is always crazy. Whatever version of Drax it is, he's nuts in a fun way off the wall and yes. chaos just, i yeah. must destroy thanos and you're just like you destroy a lot of things along your way to thanos buddy <laughs> and i'm kind of like i get it go for it like destroy what you gotta destroy, destroy. <laughs> i love see and then the comics he's a little bit different right because he just monologues all of the time so yeah because he's, well, he's a lot more well yeah he's a lot more uh, intelligent i guess but also uh more human Somewhat. Yeah, and a and, little bit more flamboyant, like definitely very like drama, high drama guy. Um, oh, he is a high drama queen. Are you kidding? Please, <laughs> let's... Yeah, this story just has him, right? Just like flying through space monologuing for several pages, <laughs> which is pretty cool, honestly. Recapping later. his own origin to himself. Yeah. Like, just in case I forgot what happened to me, which to be fair, he didn't know for years what happened to him. Mm. Yeah. But later, I learned that indeed Thanos still lives, and so I began searching the cosmos for him, and I have searched ever since. I will continue to search. <laughs> it's like you keep thinking a sentence is just going to end, and he's like, searching continues more searching. <laughs> well, to be fair now, he's out in space by himself. Yeah. It's going to be bored. To himself. I'm, I'm just thinking of this one time back in college. I was dating somebody. I was in New Jersey, and I was going to a college at the northern part of New Jersey, and they lived, they went to college in the southern part of New Jersey. So it was like a two-hour drive all this every weekend to go visit. Yeah. My car had, because it was a crap car, because I was like 19 years old, no power steering, no power windows, and no radio. 
So you've you been in find, space. <laughs> you find a lot of things to entertain yourself. I learned how many verses of Little Rabbit Foo-Foo I could make up. And that rabbit <laughs> got into a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> because a lot of problems and a lot of things. Probably should have gone to jail for a long time. through that forest, you bastard bunny. Because <laughs> you got to do things when you're that bored. I mean... Man didn't have an iPod. He didn't have a Walkman or anything. Even they didn't have those yet. He had nothing. <laughs> and then, like at the end of his like space monologue, he's like, "Oh, all right, cool. Like I, I know where Thanos is. This, this is, this is worth looking into." And then he finds Thanos dead, and he's like, "No, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to kill him, and now someone will pay." It's just like so <laughs> hilarious. Like I said, ultimate drama. It's like. He's all about the drama. Someone will pay for Thanos being dead and me not being the one to kill him, I guess. It's just like, (laughs) who's going to pay for that exactly? But we know he's going to try to hold somebody accountable. (laughs) And I'm going to randomly pick who it is. Yeah, here, (laughs) perhaps the hero of this book. Um, So, of course. I would like to speak to the manager of Thanos about what happened here. That's what he sounds like. You're like, all right. That's you, Drax. We got Captain Marvel versus Space Karen. Got it. (laughs) Drax. You you took a wrong turn. And then we have, I guess, what was possibly an idea the writer had that they were thinking about going with, but obviously never got to. Because it's like, let's explore Captain Marvel living as an Earth person. And I'm going to give him his own job or something. And spoiler people. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. We are never going to come back to this. Never. 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 I just just like that when he's, (laughs) when he uses his, their nega bands to change from his like superhero costume to a cute outfit. It's like such a sick burn on Denver because half the people here still dress like that. (laughs) With like. It's jeans on jeans on jeans on jeans. Yeah, with like a slightly like hilarious faux fur like cover, collar. Oh it's man, like a, and, the, and the jacket's like a little short, you know. Yeah, the, the, you could the totally hang out with Wolverine of this time because that's oh, exactly yeah. how he dressed. Oh my gosh, yes, his look is hilarious here. I'm just like I. I'm obsessed. I don't even know what to say. And he's like, terrific. <laughs> oh, the terrific is what sold it for me. He's like, yeah. Yes, he's me. like, I look good. And then he hitchhikes with the guy who I'm pretty sure is just a drawing of my father. <laughs> that guy still lives in Denver, whoever this is, like literally. <laughs> for sure. I love like that the city scenes, at least what they did get right about it is, is that it's all hippies. Like that's all of the side characters that you see, like all of the people just wandering down the street look like hippies. Um, yeah. But so it, they still have still? skyscrapers. Well, yeah. Don't think don't all cities. Yeah. I mean, I'm in New York city. That's what they all look like. Right. <laughs> and then of course, five seconds before he gets to Denver or after he gets to Denver, he engages in a life or death battle that endangers many civilians. <laughs> There are a lot kind of, of leaves the city on fire and it's like, ah, we're mm-hmm. just going to fly away at the end. That's fine. It's, it's fine. This will solve itself. I also like there's a lot of butt shots of Captain Marvel in, yeah. in this run. I'm like, oh, hey, there's there's yeah, a tight booty. <laughs> his butt is, yeah, very prominent. 
<laughs> <And this. laughs> yeah, I just realized, Captain yeah, I'm Marvel going through the pages. I'm like, oh, yeah. There we go. There's another butt shot right there. <laughs> oh, wow. And then he's, yeah. he's constantly, like, trying to, like, contorting himself into, like, kind of what it looks like, uh, you know, like, bodybuilders, like, their cool flexes they do. It always seems like he's just, like, a hair's inch, you know, or hair's inch. What does that even mean? An inch from, like, actually achieving it. But then he's also kind of freaked out. I like it. I don't know why. I just think it works for me. Oh, like the one, like when Drax first blasts him, it's like his head almost looked like it snapped, and one arm sort of up, and one arm's down, and yeah, yes, exactly. Big bunch of, yeah. And then Marvel tries to wait. You don't understand, Drax. Thanos had to be destroyed. The very fate of the universe depended on it. But you're wrong in thinking that I. And then Drax just goes silence. <laughs> <laughs> don't speak reason to me. I will beat you up. <laughs> yeah, Captain Marvel's just like getting his ass kicked. He's just like, listen, li- I didn't I didn't even kill him. It wasn't even me. And Jack's like, I am mad. There's no manager to talk to. I can't kill Thanos. So you know what, buddy? The buck stops here. Yeah. yeah. It's I'm gonna blame you. Stop quit blaming some dead like, guy. He hits him with a star beam blast thing, different different looking blast from either hand. And then, um, yeah, Captain Marvel does one of his, like, sexy poses. <laughs> and he's just like, no thanks, Destroyer. I've given you every opportunity to, to listen to reason, and you've done nothing but impugn my honor. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. You called me a liar and a coward, and now... You want to top it off by killing me? <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Drax. This is where I draw the line. And it's just like, that is a long speech just to be like, no. <laughs> no wonder Drax doesn't believe him. I mean, think about it. Whenever you're trying to tell some kind of lie, it's like always more embellished and longer than, right. you know, the truth would just be, no, nah, I didn't do it. Yep, he's going into too much detail. And he's like, you called me a liar and a coward. And it's just like, Get it, buddy. Like, yeah, I don't believe you now. The more you talk, the more I'm not believing you. <laughs> it's like, you gotta stop monologuing, man. You gotta stop monologuing. Just tell him no. That's all. Just no. Just say no. <laughs> or, I guess we're a few years from that. Yeah. That's when the story just goes truly off of the rails, and I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah, they Cause... barely set the city on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens. And I remember reading this going, oh, so Marvel's going to be like, do something about that. And it's like, no, Moving we get on. a message. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, don't worry about it. The city's on fire. People are running. That's cool. You know, uh, that's not my problem. I <laughs> will, I will have, fight on until problems. I have destroyed you, Marvel, even if it kills me and nothing can stop me. And we're still just like, Drax, why? <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Because he's angry. Yeah. Until Space Robot shows up. Isaac. Isaac, with his wonderful Technicolor cloak or whatever you want to call that thing. I mean, for an evil robot guy, you know, he, he likes to have his own style, at least. That's true. You know, most, I mean, most robots are like Ultron, you know? It's like, I'm just robot. <laughs> yeah, this guy shows up in a robe. Um, yeah, they're cute jammies. Stars. I want those jammies. They look comfortable. That looks look comfortable, fair. I have to admit. Yeah. I feel like Isaac's having a great time. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> Just like I said, it's, a, it's a big step up from most of the naked robots we got running around. 
And then it's like, I don't know. They go to, to Titan. Is that, is that what happens here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, we need you. Thanos's minions are here to attack us and we need help. Please help us. So it's like, all right, well, Jack, hey, you want to at least kill Thanos's people? He's like, all right, I'll do that. Okay. 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 That'll do. But I'm going to kill you after for the record. So let's let's leave because this city's on fire and this this is kind of sucks. I do <laughs> not want to deal with this, so let's let's keep moving. <laughs> My favorite part of once they get to Titan is like Captain Marvel's like, we gotta re-energize, okay? I'm gonna re-energize you too. And <laughs> Drex like cocks his thumb at himself and says, Impressive Marvel, but make no mistake, I am fully capable of revitalizing myself. <laughs> and to me, that has the energy of Zoolander. And, like, I can dare leak to my own balls. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drax. Like, we get it. <laughs> Drax is funny in this, honestly. I think Drax is usually funny. I saw another... I was reading Infinity Crusade, and I read a Thor versus Drax issue, and it played out pretty much like this. So I appreciate that... Drax just kind of shows up to beat people up for no reason a lot. And I also like that, because this goes into a whole other thing, right? Like, I mean, dear listeners, we've read ahead. And so this goes into this whole deal, like a big, long team up with Drax, kind of, which <laughs> in which Drax is exactly as he appears in this issue, a.k.a. belligerent. <laughs> Yeah. I just so, see them as like the two characters from Zoolander. After that moment, I was yeah. just like, that's who they are. Like they they like each other, but they're real mad and competitive with one another. And I'm like, you totally. guys are best friends. Just chill out. Yeah, just let I yourself can't be best friends. I can see that now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true through this whole thing, though. They really are like that. They have kind of like a competition. They both are very, very full of their own personality. <laughs> Their big opinions. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's really fun, actually. But I enjoyed seeing Drax here. I always love seeing Drax. It's really funny that he just kind of, once again, it's another person who just shows up to be like, I'm just going to go ahead and tap him with the hammer real quick. I'm just going to go ahead and pop this guy <laughs> and see what, what happens. Let's see what happens when I punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Mar- that's part of Marvel's problem, right? Is he's so strong. So they're like, okay, we'll just throw other strong people at him but then you're like nothing happens because they're both really strong (laughs) yeah he needs a bit more of a moral crisis i think you know like he has an internal journey to deal with and they're like not in my comics (laughs) (laughs) yeah i find this to be a completely truly wild issue i think the last one was pretty wild too but there's a whole time period of marvel um marvel and captain marvel marvel comics in general where yeah, you'll just read stories where it's just like, I think nothing happened, um, <laughs> but I had fun along the way, so. Yeah, these are, a lot of the earlier ones kind of get a little, sometimes I felt a little boring or too much change too fast. Yeah. These at least are crazy and insane, and I can enjoy that more. Yeah, I think that this one almost makes sense, and then by the time we make it to the next issue, <laughs> it's just like... I have no idea what's going on anymore. Once again, I'm here for it. What is Isaac? Does Isaac ever come back? Does anybody know Isaac? Yes. Isaac will, be, Isaac will pop back up, especially during uh, Avengers, when the vision... Uh, it's like around 240, 245. 
Isaac is plugged, the vision's plugged into Isaac somewhat for help of healing, and they kind of start chatting, and Isaac's like, yeah, I control everything here on Titan, and Vision's like, oh, I can do that, and he tries to take over the world. <laughs> and that's what leads into, a couple years later, the government's kidnapping him and dismantling him, and him going from the red oh. skin vision to that pale white skin. That's why they did it. Oh. And that goes into the whole, then, one of his children vanishing, and then her going crazy then, and then eventually going into the whole House of M thing. Mm. So it's kind of right. Isaac's fault. <laughs> it's kind of Isaac's fault. Isaac's a bad influence is what I took away from that. Yeah. yeah. I don't want my android hanging out with Isaac. They're going to be taking over the world, and all of a sudden he's wearing these funky pajamas. What's going on, Vision? <laughs> it's like, they're really quite comfortable. <laughs> if Vision just showed up in this weird PJ set, you'd be like, something's wrong. <laughs> What's going on here? What are, what what what's happening this time? <laughs> Is Wanda controlling you again? No, I just like pajamas. You've been talking to Isaac, haven't you? <laughs> I Go told to you to room. stay away from that android. <laughs> but listeners, we will get back to Captain Marvel and Isaac and Drax next episode. And Sarah and Essie will be back. But for now, Sarah, Essie, tell them where they can find you guys in case they want to hear more from you before next episode. Well, you can find Bitches on Comics uh, at, at Bitches on Comics on Instagram and Twitter. We are also on all your podcast platforms. If we're not, hit me up because we should be. And we release weekly episodes on Wednesdays. We talk with comic creators, comic fans, and then we answer listener questions. We usually also have a comic of the week, which is just either a randomly ones from a while ago, ones that are fresh coming out, ones that came out recently, like in the last five years. Just depends what we feel like doing. So we'd love to have you join us. And you can find me at se underscore Fleenor on both Instagram and Twitter. Excellent. All right. Sarah, did you want to do your handle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm on. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> Sometimes I'm less I'm less on it now, but I do still share a lot of my work on it. It's probably the best way to keep in touch with me. Um, so it's at Sarah Century. There's no H in Sarah. And uh, there's also no H in Century to steal John Wilson's joke, <laughs> which I've done multiple times now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry john thanks all right and they will both be back next episode but for now we're going to go back go into avengers number 174 with david spofforth ladies and gentlemen meet your thunderbolts the thunderbolts are they the exciting new heroes the world needs thunderbolts strike Today makes at least half a dozen times these Thunderbolts have done the job we used to depend on the Avengers for. It allowed us to move among you, disguising who we really are, the Masters of Evil. In what is now becoming an old story, the Thunderbolts once again save the city. Enough of this hero talk. You will do as you're told. Wait. He's right. You may be wearing a songbird costume, but underneath you're just screaming me. I can expose all of you right now. So you see, you really have no choice. You know what? We're done playing these parts. It's time to live these parts. No one betrays Zemo. Figures, just when we go in on this hero thing, our blood runs out. Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, 
I make any team better. We're Norman Osborn's A-team. And he's the big man in charge now. This isn't the team I used to lead. You, honey, are under arrest. You have to fight for what's right every single day, bulletproof skin or not. The Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us. But apparently, we've got a ways to go. Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. Now playing on fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. All right, we'll catch back up with Sarah and Essie next episode with more Captain Marvel. But for now, we are jumping back to Earth to cover Avengers 174. And with me today is a name you will recognize from the feedback section of a lot of our episodes. From over in the UK, David Spafforth. How are you doing, David? Hey, Al. Nice to, nice to speak to you at last. Yeah, same here. Yeah, as opposed to uh, just writing back and forth and through uh, podcast, you know, through feedback episodes. <laughs> as fun as that's been. Oh, of course. Hey, I always, I always appreciate feedback. And you always have good feedback. Cheers, mate. So today we are talking about Avengers 174, which is a part of the Korvac saga. So just a quick... A uh, quick personal background for that. How, I mean, were you reading this? Have you read this before or this your first time? Oh, this one is a particularly significant issue because for a while it was the only part of the Korvac saga I'd ever read. Um, back in around 78 when this came out, I was uh, only ever reading Marvel UK reprints, which were quite a few years behind. But occasionally when I'd go on holiday in the summer to uh, North Wales, we'd go to these seaside resorts, which would have the spinner racks with a few uh, American comics. And occasionally I'd buy one. So around that time, I had a collection of maybe about 20 odd American comics. And this was one of them. And I can even remember exactly uh, where I where I picked it up from. Exactly. Yeah. A little town called Tawin on the North Wales coast. Uh, so, yeah, this was the only issue of the Korvac saga I'd read. And uh, and I read it and read it and read it. I could probably uh, quote most of it uh, without even having it in front of me. Yeah, you know, it's funny, though, when you say you uh, little coastal resort town, the first thing that pops in my head. Yeah. Faulty Towers. I'm like, oh, you went to Faulty <laughs> Towers. Nice. <laughs> Although I don't think they sell comics there. Don't think so. You probably would have had a fit if kids coming there looking at them. Yes. But it's it's funny you say that, though, because for the longest time, this was also the only issue of the Korvac saga I read. As I oh, yeah. probably said a couple times in the past, before I started actually buying comics, I was kind of just through family and other people I had. I kind of just got random comics. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the random earliest random ones I had. So this is also one of the earlier Avengers issues I read. And it was a long time before I actually read the whole Korvac saga. There you go. Yeah, it was the same thing for reading it over and over and over again, when this is like one of like the only like 20 to 40 comics I had. Yes. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about as you get older and read more comics. It's not that, I mean, sometimes, I mean, yes, there is always that sweet spot of when you're a kid reading them with the imagination. But it's also the fact that when you only have like a dozen or two dozen of them, you read them over and over because you don't have any others to read. Once you have like yeah. 5,000 of them, you don't have mm-hmm. time to reread everything. No, but I've noticed that I keep rereading those uh, first couple of dozen. True. Well, there's always that nostalgia factor as well of the one I remember reading as a kid. 
But yeah, so this is Avengers 174, captured by the Collector. And there is a lot going on on this cover. There is. We got the Collector at his controls, shooting out a bunch of, they look like Tic Tacs. Yep. As Thor's knocking him away, and we got Hawkeye, Iron Man, and Wasp ready to fight, while all the other Avengers are in stasis tubes. And how exactly did uh, Hawkeye get himself uh, noosed up there, ready to sort of swing in? <laughs> While everyone else was fighting, he spent 10 minutes playing around with it. It's kind of probably like the scene from, if you've seen Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. When uh, Yang is fighting and uh, Kurt Russell's character is spending like five minutes trying to get the knife out of his boot. Oh, yes. So they're all fighting all the collector stuff. Meanwhile, Hawkeye's in their trip like... Would you get down? Where's that razor arrow? Cut that sucker down. Okay, Ty. Okay, I'm ready. Ah, fight's over. (sighs) So real quick, let me drop in a very fast synopsis here, and then we can just talk about it without having to worry about explaining what happened. Avengers number 174, Captives of the Collector. Writers, Jim Shooter, Plot, and Bill Mantlo, Script. Pencils, David Wenzel. Inker, Pablo Marcos. Colors, Phil Rachelson. Letters, Shelley Lefferman. Cover art, George Perez and Terry Austin. Editors, Roger Stern and Jim Salicro. Cover dated August 1978. On sale date, May 16, 1978. With a cover price of 35 cents. You can find this reprinted in De Vaudraders, number 4, a 1980 Dutch reprint. Marvel Superheroes, number 368, a 1980 UK reprint. Los Vengadores, number 6, a 1983 Spanish reprint. Grandes Heroes Marvel, number 14, a 1983 Brazilian reprint. Bougere, number 16, a 1987 French reprint. Avengers de Korvac Saga, number trade paperback, a 1991 reprint. Avengers de Korvac Saga Premier Edition trade paperback, a 2010 reprint. Marvel Gold, Los Vengadores, La Saga de Korvac, a 2010 Spanish reprint. Avengers to Korvac Saga Trade Paperback, a 2012 reprint. Essential Avengers Volume 8, a 2012 reprint. Avengers to Korvac Saga, a 2012 reprint. Essential Avengers Volume 8, a 2012 reprint. Guardians of the Galaxy Tomorrow's Avengers Volume 2, a 2013 reprint. Avengers La Saga de Korvac, a 2013 French reprint. Marvel Official Comic Collection Number 79, a 2014 Russian reprint. Avengers de Korvac Saga number 2, a 2019 Dutch reprint, and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. The four remaining free Avengers have tracked the mysterious abductor to his base. With his vast collection of alien weapons to draw upon, the Collector downs first Iron Man, then Thor, and then the Wasp. Hawkeye courageously fights on alone, evading all the Collector's traps and devices. But when his devices fail, the Collector unleashes his own long-unused cosmic power against the Archer. Hawkeye nevertheless manages to strike his opponent with an electro arrow, and the aged immortal amidst defeat. Thor is revived with a bucket of water to the face. He awakens to find that all the captive Avengers have been freed. The defeated collector relates how he began his acquisition of specimens eons ago, in order to preserve them against the coming threat of Thanos. Then foresaw an even greater menace, who he sent his daughter to spy upon. At that very moment, Karina, the collector's daughter, having fallen in love with Michael, betrays her father. 
Suddenly, a bolt of energy strikes the Collector, disintegrating him before the Avengers' very eyes. Okay, we are back. We have, yeah, so like we said in the synopsis, the Collector has captured every Avenger except for those four. Thor, Hawkeye, Iron Man, and the Wasp. That's quite a mixture. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, when I first read this, I remember thinking that was a lot, seeing like so many, there was a lot of people on the Avengers I didn't realize when we see them all freed at the end. And now, of course, that number is like a drop in the bucket of how many Avengers yeah. there have been. Yes. And the thing that really struck me while when I was reading this and the and the issues following is, why isn't it by George Perez? He leaves, George Perez leaves the, uh, leaves the series just before he gets the chance to uh, have a run where he has to draw every single Avenger. So yeah. He's made for that. Isn't this about the time he got the uh, Justice League? Because this would be a very late 70s. Sure. Probably 80s. is. Because from what I remember... On, sorry, go on. I'm not up on my Justice League chronology. Yeah, I'm not exactly up either, but I just remember he he like started doing Justice League, but left it to do Titan, you know, and then he was doing that in Titans when it started, like in 80, and then just Titans. So if he was just starting to do Justice, if this is like very late 70s, mm, this is probably about the time, he, yeah, this is probably about the time he went to do Justice League. Yeah. The answer to the question, did George Perez go to Justice League at this time? is no, he did not. George Perez took over the art on JLA as of issue 183, which was cover dated October 1980, the same month as Avengers number 200. So about two years after this issue, I was way off. So that's my guess. Because also, even though Jim Shooter is basically the person who did the Korvac saga, he didn't script this one either. He only did the plot. True, yeah, it's... Uh... Bill Mantlo uh, on script. Yeah, although for Jim Shooter, we could probably just assume editor-in-chief duties had to take precedent this month over scripting. Yeah, I mean, I've, as I mentioned once back in uh, back in the feedback, I'm not the biggest uh, Bill Mantlo fan in the world, but uh, but you know, whatever is uh, pedestrianness of plot, um, yeah, he's a good scripter, good enough scripter. Yeah. And he has some. Good, there are some good lines in here that have stuck with me over the years. Yes. So that's that's more on him, obviously, than Shooter. True. But yeah, we have our old man collector who does not look like Benicio del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. The collector always looked kind of creepy to me, too creepy to me anyway. That's true. Yeah. The. Uh... Uh, I remember the first time I saw the collector was uh, in one of the Rutland Vermont issues. Oh How, yeah, those things. Yes, I've always wanted to go there. I have no idea if that parade even still exists or if it's going to be any good. But just from those issues, I always wanted to go there just to check it out. For a long time, I thought it was just a made-up place. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. why wouldn't you? It's like Metropolis or Gotham, for all you sure. know, or for all anyone knows, unless you live in that area. There is a Rutland in Britain. Uh, used to be a county, but then sort of got demoted back in the seventies. <laughs> it's like Pluto. Yeah, there was an uh, TV. There was a TV series, uh, sort of a post Monty Python, uh, Eric Idle series called Rutland Weekend Television. Oh, really? Yes. Um, if you know the uh, uh, the satirical the, t- the send up of the Beatles, uh, the Ruttles. 
I've heard of that. Yeah, it's where it's where it comes from. Huh. I'll have to look yeah. for that. The Ruttles. All you need is cash. <laughs> yes. I'll have to look for that series, see if I can catch it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But well, that makes sense, Rutland. I mean, there's a Rutland in the UK, considering the fact that this is, you know, Rutland, Vermont is in New England. So obviously, a lot of the names there are going to be taken from. Yeah, you know, true enough. Taken from there. I mean, they're all just, re- you know, they're just taken like, hey, we left there. Let's just call it the same place. Yes. <laughs> they were not very imaginative back then, a couple hundred years ago. They're like, let's just call it, where are you from? Plymouth. Great. This is Plymouth. <laughs> we well, left. When- we left from Plymouth, we landed in Plymouth. How, what kind of luck is that? <laughs> well, when you look at uh, when I look at some of the uh, na- names that uh, you guys come up with yourself, I'm thinking, uh, you know, thinking of the first time I came across the uh, the, the pretty town of Poughkeepsie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a mirror mix of names. Mm. It's interesting. Yes. Although that sounds like it might be a native name. Probably. I know where I live in Florida now, and there's a lot of, you know, native names here. But yeah, so back to the book. So we have a back nice, book. yeah, we got a fun battle with the uh, Avengers and the Collector, and it's interesting here. They don't seem to give Thor too much to do, and even Iron Man doesn't have that much. They kind of take the more powerful ones out of the action a lot here. And that really makes it far more interesting when you end up with it just being a Hawkeye and the Wasp. Yeah, and it's not the first time we've had that. Back in uh, around Avengers uh, forty nine fifty, where the the whole team of the Avengers was just uh, Hawkeye, the Wasp, and Ant Man. Oh, he went. Oh, of course, he went back to Ant Man. He can never make up his mind. Well, he was still Goliath at the time, but he'd lost his growing powers briefly and uh, could only shrink. I have not gotten to that part in reading Avengers, but yeah. So he they they takes out Thor with both, you know trickery he gets his hammer stuck in those electrical monsters and he as he tells him later i lie you know he lies about it saying it's connected to another universe and if you uh remove your hammer forcibly you will kill everyone in that universe somehow yes the uh, it's and it reminds me of a wonderful uh threat made by the wizard in issue of the fantastic four when he threatened to kill franklin richards and uh uh, and he said, yeah, and later said, I'd never have killed your son, but I'm not above lying about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, villains lie sometimes. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't always tell the truth. It's also weird at this time to see Iron Man as the leader, since I'm so used to either, for the most part, it's usually the, the Wasp or Cap. Yeah. So the first, when I first started reading the Avengers, it was uh, Thor who was, uh, who was leader. That's interesting. They never made a big thing about it. It just suddenly mentioned in one issue that he was chairman. I thought, where'd that come from? Yeah. I mean, was this early enough where they were still like doing a rotating chairman like every other issue with somebody else? Or was he leader for a while? No, it was it was for a while. It was all through the uh, Celestial Madonna saga. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. I've read some of that, but not a lot. I was the first saga I ever I ever read. In fact, uh, brings me on to another point the f- the first time i ever read about hawkeye he was a defender oh during the war yeah avengers defenders war yeah that's yeah. right he was a, he was part of the yeah when we covered that that's right he was part of the defenders because he fights iron man that's right which was appropriate so while thor and uh, iron man are kind of out of battle like we said it's just hawkeye and the wasp and yeah. the wasp does some cool stuff where she just gets too pissed and just goes after him oh i love that 
Yeah. And there's that one line where she's like, you know, you're you're gonna know you fought the Avengers, and she's ripping through that uh, metal mesh. Yes, although they made a mistake there. You know, there's no prize time. Yeah, Ooh, what? Where she says, uh, "Now I'm as strong insect size as I am when full grown," which is actually a mistake. She's actually stronger when she's uh, insect size. She's actually supposed to have super strength. Oh, really? When that was first introduced in uh, a Marvel team-up issue, a Claremont Byrne team-up issue, she'd been given super strength so that when, uh, you know, whenever she shrinks, that sort of mass, whatever, goes goes into her uh, strength. Huh. You know what? It does make sense both ways. It does make sense that Claremont would do that. Yeah. That's a very Claremont thing to do. Let's let's take this female character who's always usually portrayed as kind of a lot weaker, and help you know give her a little you know give her a little power boost or give a little more personality or something. Yeah, and then it also fits that later writers would, especially in that time period, would just kind of forget that. Yeah, until Roger Stern brought it up again when uh, he had uh, the Black Knight testing her strength, and uh, he he asks her to. You know, test her strength against this little steel bar to measure to measure her strength, and uh, you know, and she ends up bending it in bending it in half. Oh, yes. okay. Well, I'm doing a read of that Roger Stern right run right now, so I'm sure I'll get to that soon enough. Yeah, but yeah. So unfortunately, she gets taken out because well, it was electrified. Yeah, <laughs> and now with the rest of the issue is basically just Hawkeye versus the Collector. Which is probably one, since this is one of the earliest ones I've read, this is probably why I've never been one of the people who goes, well, Hawkeye has no powers. What can he do? Because I've seen what he can do. Well, I'm kind of, I was kind of used to it by this point, because um, by this time I'd already read the Celestial Madonna saga. And in twice in there, Hawkeye ends up being the, uh, the Avenger who saves the, saves the day. And to be fair, also, as I, always, I usually like to say on, when a conversation come up like that, I say, yeah, well. Batman does only has a you know boomerang. What can he do? No yes. one questions that. Yep. So and what's the difference? Oh yeah, he's more popular. That's why. Yes. I love the line. Whether you're whether you're judging by raw power or skill collector, I might not be much in the first category. On the other hand, in the second, Hawkeye is the best there is. Yeah, that's one of the other lines that sticks with me. I always think yeah. about with Hawkeye. As he basically shoots the thing out of the the gun or whatever the weapon is out of the collector's hand. Yes. Eh, my weapon snatched from my grasp by your primitive missile. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he sends a pterodactyl after him. Or, well, sorry, yeah. it's a space pterodactyl. And eventually tries to crush Hawkeye with the, uh, the walkway he's on. And Hawkeye basically gets off one last trick shot. Now, I have a question about this. Sure. Um, wasn't it revealed at some point later on that uh, the, the collector had one of the uh, soul gems or in, infinity gems? Um, is that one of the places he's had the, where he's had them back and forth? He's yeah. had them before and hasn't. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember at this point. I don't think he had one at this point. Yeah, I know he'll have one later in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. But. I was just wondering whether it would have turned out that sort of underneath that medallion he was wearing, he had one of the uh, soul gems. If so, I have not seen that yet. Mm. But speaking of Benicio del Toro from before, this does remind me of something where people sometimes get a little annoyed with like the uh, elders that have been trained in the uh, MCU, that they don't have any powers. But to be fair, now, they might not. I'm not saying they do. 
know, mm-hmm. they might have just be doing it. It's just random guy who's, you know, crazy and likes to collect, and him and the Grandmaster have nothing in co- connection in the MCU. But, I mean, here, it's not until, like, the end of the fight that he actually uses his powers. He's just using weapons and gadgets that he's collected or uh, creatures he's collected. He is not using any abilities until the very end. So it's entirely, it would still fit yeah. with the story, with, you know, pre-established Marvel Universe canon if we reveal later that the Collector does have cosmic power, just doesn't choose to use it. As you say, he's for an alpha and elder of the universe. He's uh, getting on a bit. Yes. Yeah. And he, be fair, he's a collector who likes using his collections. Yeah. You know? This, I mean, I think he kind of does enjoy when people fight him because it gives him a chance to play with his toys. Otherwise, they're all just, yeah. Otherwise, they're all just sitting there collecting dust. He's not a collector who likes to keep things in the in the plastic boxes. No, no, he likes he likes no. to take them out, and use them every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah, Hawkeye gets him with a, basically an electrical arrow, shocking him on that medallion he wears with a pretty cool trick shot. Yeah. That I don't know if it would actually ever work in real life. <laughs> you know, it goes <laughs> off one thing, off the ceiling, back on the computer, and then back to the collector. But let's go with well, it. We've seen Hawkeye play pool in a few issues. Have we ever seen him play pool against Cyclops? That should be interesting. Oh, yeah. Seen him play pool against the Beast. That, that That's also close enough, but Cyclops especially... Oh, yes. I've seen him clear, like, a whole thing of a, a pool table with one shot. I'm glad it was from his optic blast, but still, one shot. Yes, I've seen that. And there was another time when he was doing a similar trick in the danger room where Wolverine says to him, uh, well, remind me never to face you on a pool table. But, yeah, so the Collector's out now, and <laughs> we wake up Thor with a bucket of water, literally. <laughs> Fun. How long do you think they spent looking for a bucket of water on that ship? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the collector must have a collection of different types of uh, types of buckets for his seaside collection. I gotta wonder if maybe he like besides all the times attacking the Avengers, he also first on Earth stops around, goes to some antique stores, does the flea market run. Yes, all that kind of stuff. Just picks up random knickknacks. He has a whole section of like you know those little precious moments things. Yes, collector plates. I wonder if I wonder if he's a bit like. Uh, and Clara in Bewitched, you know, has a whole collection of doorknobs. He probably does. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of funny if you think you think about it. I mean, as, as much as they DC try to make Superboy Prime like a you know example of uh, certain readers, the Collector also could be another version. Oh yes. Here we get to the part of like I said before, where you know Hawkeye, you know Hawkeye wakes up Thor with the bucket because everyone else is already up and waiting, and we got like a whole bunch of people. And I remember going, "Wow, they're all Avengers." And yeah, like I said, I now that's nothing. But yeah, we got Moondragon and Black Panther, Quicksilver, Two-Gun Kid. I, I um, love the fact that he's an Avenger. That's fun. Yes. Yeah, this was a wild time since this was uh, one of the earliest um, Avengers, Avengers stories I ever read. Virgin and Scarlet Witch, Hercules, Black Widow, and even though he technically wasn't an Avenger, Captain Marvel. I know. and That was weird, but uh, I don't know. I guess the collector wasn't as picky as some. Well, he was considered an honorary Avenger, I guess. And he yeah. was he was involved in a couple issues of the storyline anyway. That's true. So I guess he was there. So maybe the Collector wasn't, yeah. re, you know, getting into their their documents and seeing who's an a- active Avenger. He's like, well, he's running around with them. He's an Avenger. That counts. That's true. Maybe, because he did say in a moment that, he's, uh, that he does have the power of prophecy. So maybe he foresaw that... Uh, 
uh, Captain Marvel would be uh, voted in as an Avenger later. And that's right, yeah, because I don't... Does that come up... Have you remembered that coming up much, much his power of prophecy? Because I don't remember seeing that a lot beyond here. No, I think this is the only time I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's the only time I can think of. Mm. At least for now, he has prophecy. Yeah. And he saw that we, the rise of a power reviving... Revi- yeah, try that again. The rise of a power rivaling the elders and the evil power bent on universal death. He would be known as Thanos. And there's the money shot. That's why we're yep. here. <laughs> it looks like Thanos having a temper tantrum. <laughs> he looks like a pissed-off five-year-old stomping his feet and waving his arms in the air because Mommy wouldn't buy him that death ray. He'd lost his cosmic cube. Yeah, he did kind of have a temper tantrum at that. Yes. <laughs> so apparently that is why, the that is at least at this point, the reason why he's started collecting. To mm. you know, preserve things for after Thanos takes over the universe and probably causes it to be destroyed. Because, yeah. you know, Thanos. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, uh, if, if, you, if you're going to predict that somebody's going to wipe out 50% of the whole universe, if you've got a collection with the, uh, with the other half there, it might be worth a few, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. He could sell it later on. Yeah. And Thanos, you're bored. You, having dest- you need something new to destroy. I got a whole bunch of stuff. But then Thanos, of course, gets defeated twice. <laughs> nice, and then yes. he's like, oh, I saw the p- coming of another power, even more dangerous. Uh, there's fair, always there's- somebody stronger. I'll say this is a Marvel universe. There's always somebody else coming along to destroy the universe. There's yes. like a line for that. It's like an amusement park. It's like, okay, my turn to try and destroy it. Yes. If it's not Galactus, it's someone else. There's always, yeah. always somebody coming along to have lunch on the planet. Yeah, somebody's bored. It's like, I'm going to kill everything. And then we pop in on that whole, the, the nice little suburban home in Forest, I think, yeah, Forest Hill, Queens. Oh, they live in Spider-Man's neighborhood. They do, yeah. Kind of funny he never got involved in this story, considering, in fact, they placed them in the same area that he grew up. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't uh, show that uh, his neighbor was Aunt May. <laughs> Why not? Well, you know, if it was Roy Thomas writing it, it would have been. Yeah, it would have shown... Uh, Kovac having a bowl of wheat cakes. Right before he goes to destroy the Avengers. But yeah, it turns out that uh, the Collector sent his daughter Karina to get close to this guy. But she has fallen in love with him and betrays her father. And he basically, as the Collector is about to tell the Avengers who this guy is, he wipes the Collector off. The, uh, he wipes the Collector out. Just disintegrates him. Yeah, that's a good page. I almost forgot one thing I didn't realize I didn't even think about when I first read this. Yeah. It took a while before I read it because I didn't know about it at the time. I didn't catch the hold on, we go back to the first page to uh get the quote. I was wondering whether it might be the same thing that I remember from the very first page as well that I was going to bring up. Oh yeah, yeah, probably. Uh it's from that first caption box. One by one, thirteen past and present Avengers have mysteriously vanished from the earth. In a desperate attempt to confront the kidnapper. Four remaining Avengers had teleported into a strange phone booth-sized construct hovering in space. Yeah, what does that sound like? <laughs> it sounds like he's collected a TARDIS. Yes. I didn't even get it the first probably dozen times I've read this because, well, I never even started watching that till uh, 2010, 11, whenever uh, Torchwood Children of Earth came out. That's the first thing I've watched of Doctor Who. Blimey, I've been watching Doctor Who since 1973. 
by the time I really started paying attention to stuff in TV and on, on PBS, it was like 89, you know, the show was already off the air. Yeah. I don't think I even heard of it until like. Yeah. I guess I never, either I never caught it when it was on something, a channel I had, or I just mm-hmm. probably went, it's not a cartoon, move on. <laughs> True enough. You know, if I didn't see any aliens in it, I probably, if I didn't see any aliens at the moment I was flipping cha- switching channels, I probably would have just skipped through going, some guy, move on. I mean, to be fair, if it was like Peter Davidson, I might have seen him his outfit and just assumed real quick it was something my mother would have watched, some kind of boring period piece. <laughs> yes. Drama. Brideshead re- yeah, Brideshead Revisited or something. Yeah, something like, okay, move on, <laughs> bored, not a cartoon, let's find <laughs> something else. So, yeah, I didn't catch it until years later. I was like, oh, wait a minute, phone booth size, duh. Mm. <laughs> so we missed the next issue, issue where the doctor shows up going, hey, give that back. Yes. Well, we're on the first page here. Can we give a shout out to Dave Wenzel with it? Just the beginning of a four issue run. Because, and he's, this is pretty much one of only half a dozen uh, mainstream uh, comics he's ever done. Yeah, that's a name I'm not familiar with. Are you? I just I did some research. I mm-hmm. um, he only did these four issues of the Avengers, seeing out the Korvac saga. He's done one issue of uh, Marvel Team Up, and uh, but then did a few dozen uh, uh, magazine Conans around the eighties and nineties. But he's most well known eighties uh, or so. He did a very celebrated uh, the um, adaptation of the Hobbit. That's oh really? Won several awards, yeah. Um, I recommend having a checking up his uh, his website. He's still active. Um, he goes by the f- full name of David Thorne Wenzel. Okay, I have to look for that. Yeah, it's okay. uh, he, yeah, it was a sort of a fully painted adaptation of the Hobbit. Oh, cool! I'll have to look for that too. Yeah. But yeah, all right. If I can find that website, then I will put a link in the show notes. Yeah, but he did, I thought he did a good job in this issue. I mean, it's really well oh, done. Yeah. Oh, I agree. You know, he's, uh, he handled it. He handled it perfectly. He's and, uh, got a good grasp of it. You know, there's a lot going on in this. Uh, for somebody who seems to be an, uh, uh, more at home with the sword and sorcery genre, he's uh, he's got his high tech stuff down right. Yeah. No, this looks. I mean, this looks great. I never had an issue with the art in this issue at all. No. I mean, in fact, half the time was because of George Perez doing so much from the Korvac saga. Unless I'm actually reading the issue itself, I just assumed Perez did all, you know, did these issues. That's right. I mean, I thought I tended to think that for a while. I didn't so, real didn't really notice the change of artwork. So good for you, Dave. Good for you. Yeah. Might not have done much, but hey, what you did, pretty did damn well. good. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else about this issue that pops up to you? Uh, just flicking through. I think uh, I think we've covered everything I can think of. This has got a a big a big place in my uh, comic reading uh, history, and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, going through it again. Yeah, same here. This is a big nostalgia for me, and issue, this issue, and it's plus I enjoy the Korvac saga. Now, unfortunately, folks, we are not covering the rest of the Korvac saga because I can't justify that one as well. <laughs> but I'm sure there's other podcasts that have covered that. Uh, I would not be surprised if Back to the Bins on their Avengers Spotlight issues have been or will be covering this at some point. The whole story. I'm sure. So you can check that out there. We'll be wrapping up the show in just a few minutes, but not before we do our feedback. 
and this time we are covering feedback from episode 147, supplemental number 9, in which we talked about Marvel Comics 1000 with Chris Sheehan. On Facebook, the post about that episode got likes and shares from Walt Neeland, Jesse Starcher, Chris Sheehan, Gene Hendricks, Bruce Sutherland, and Evan Bevins. We also got a comment from Jesse Starcher, host of the Source Material podcast. He said, some deep cuts in that one. Great content as always. Well, thanks, Jesse. Yeah, considering that that material we're talking about was going to be mostly about Golden Age stuff, yeah, it was definitely going to be some deep cuts, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. On Twitter, the post about the episode got likes and retweets from Chris Armstrong, Chris Lydon, Tomes of Evil, a comic book villain podcast, David Finn, Connor McKenna, Viet Huynh, Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Ghost Spider Groupies, Ed Moore, Christian, Last Sons of Krypton, Alan Sharp, Capes and Lunatics, Legacy Brand Comics, CC Love Shipping, Caramel is My Soul, Andrew McAvoy, Siskoid, and Doc Strange. Now, you want to hear more from me? Well, you can find me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast. You can find that on the Legion Substitute Podcasters feed, links in the show notes. On that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC comic series Legion. That is the one with the acronym and Lobo in it, not Legion of Superheroes. Besides listening to me, if you want to communicate, well, there are ways to do that. You can leave a post or even just like the episodes on Facebook. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box and our page will pop up. We're on Twitter at AdamThanosPod. You can talk to us on there, talk about these comics, talk about other comics. I like comics. All kinds of them. Go to our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's been a while since I got one, and I would not mind reading yours on the show. And of course, you can send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Finally, this show is part of The Collective. Now, The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances. And you can hear a promo for one of The Collective's shows right now. Hey, Ray. Yes, Connor? What's black and white and red all over? Huh. A newspaper? Not even close. Hmm. A sunburnt zebra? What are you doing, Ray? (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) Into the Night. A Moon Knight Podcast. A weekly podcast coming to you from the High Priest of Khonshu. Available on all good podcast catchers. Well, this is the end of this episode. Now, Dave will be back in a couple episodes, but for now, is there anything that either you're doing you'd like to point people to, or just maybe something you enjoy that you want to shout out? Well... Unfortunately, um, you can't hear me anywhere else on the internet at the moment. If you uh, did want to hear me, you'd have to come over to England and get arrested and listen to my spot on prison radio. Well, there you go. That's a plan. Yeah. All right. Well, and if you do, please write and let me know. Let me know how it went. Yes. Let me know how long you're in for. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next episode... Let's just double check real quick. Yep, Sarah and Essie will be back as we're covering Captain Marvel 59 through 61. And David will be back in a couple episodes as we will be talking about an issue of Thor then. 
I look forward to that. Oh, yes. So thank you again for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Al. It's been great fun. Same here. All right, folks, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. second we'll start up yeah <laughs> sorry i don't know if you heard that i just heard the dog yodeling in the background all of a sudden. <laughs> i didn't he's, but i'm glad you told me he's very vocal he's a very vocal dog so like look at you like puppy yeah all right our shellism